This episode of 40 Under 40 is proudly sponsored by Konica Minolta, a global leader in innovative printing solutions. Just as our young leaders are shaping our industry, Konica Minolta aims to partner with clients to give shape to ideas by supporting their digital transformation through its expansive, intelligent, connected workplace portfolio. Let Konica Minolta transform your workplace experience and drive dynamic business change. Welcome to the NPSOA's 40 Under 40, the podcast where we spotlight the rising stars of the print and sign industry. I'm your host, Paul Strack, and together we'll dive into the inspiring stories of young entrepreneurs who are redefining our industry. I decided that I wanted to buy a small business, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I didn't necessarily search for a commercial printing business to buy, um, but um, I found a terrific business here in New York City. Um, called ABG Print, and um, as of uh, 2019, June, I am in the printing business, and I have to say I'm, I'm loving it, I'm really enjoying it. Get ready for captivating conversations on innovation, technology, sustainability, and the ever-evolving landscape of printing. Welcome to 40 Under 40, where youth meets expertise and inspiration ignites transformation. Let's begin. Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of 40 Under 40. It's my pleasure today to be speaking with Jesse Sapphire from ABG Print in New York, New York. Good morning, Jesse, and welcome. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I am doing well. So glad to have you today. I think, I don't know if we've had anybody from the big city, the Big Apple, so it's, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Anxious to get started and hear your story. So to kick things off, just tell us a little bit about your background, how you ended up in your current position. Sure. So um, after college, I had a career in a couple different financial roles. Um, I had nothing to do with print other than I was an occasional client of uh, a local copy shop, maybe in New York City uh, or down in D.C., Um, and uh, I came to a point in my life where I had an opportunity um, to think about what I really wanted to do with my career. Um, and I decided that I wanted to buy a small business. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I didn't necessarily search for a commercial printing business to buy, um, but um, I found a terrific business here in New York City um, called ABG Print. And um, as of uh, 2019, June, I am in the printing business. And I have to say, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying it. But I would uh, be honest uh, to share with all your listeners that, you know, I certainly this, you know, it um, it wasn't planned all along, um, but uh, I'm happy the way it's worked out. And again, you are unique in so many that I've talked to and so many in our industry that we're not a second generation owner. So when you started looking for a business, I, I get the, uh, you know, the entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurial spirit is there. But what was it that? kind of leaned you or dictated you toward becoming a print owner? Sure. Well, as you probably know, print is, you know, somewhere in the, on the order of a magnitude of a $75 billion industry. Um, and, but when you dive down into it, it's much more complicated than that. Um, and um, here in New York City, um, there's certainly an everyday need for the many businesses and corporations we have here. Um, and I felt um, when I looked at this business and I looked at the opportunity um, that there was a consistent need. Um, it was much more localized to this specific company in this specific area for these specific clients. So it was the 
traditional find a need and fill it situation, correct? Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm very attracted, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm very attracted to businesses that provide something. I, I use the word unsexy. Um, sometimes people uh, use the word reliable, um, but it, it uh, f fills a, a need that many businesses have. Um, they don't uh, always view as strategic, but they continue to use um, and absolutely will continue to use. Um, and um, I, I enjoy fulfilling, you know, working for a company that, that fulfills that role. I think you're right. Nobody's really ever described the printing business as sexy, I would guess. But I find it interesting because I came from a uh, financial accounting background. I'm a CPA. Okay. And I would say the CPA, the accounting firm, you came from a private investment firm which on the surface may appear more sexy, or the movies portray it at least as more sexy than the printing industry. So how, how do you go from being in a successful uh, private investment firm um, to the printing business? Or to put it another way, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, it's fair. Um, I will say uh, one of the aspects uh, that, that I thought about um, as I considered this opportunity is that I, I under, fundamentally understood the client base because um, our clients today it, in many aspects are what, what I was earlier in my career, right? Many of our, yeah. our clients are, you know, um, either just out of college or just out of business school. Um, they're certainly on the up and up in their career, but maybe they're um, on the lower end of the roles within their organization. That's why they're the ones ordering the print. Um, but... Um, I, I recognize the, the need that they have, um, and I felt like I understood the client. And I think there's many ways to come into a business and run it. You can certainly run it from a financial and, and accounting perspective, similar to, to your skill set. Um, you can come in with deep industry knowledge on operations and production. Or you see in many cases people come in that fundamentally understand the clients and the need. And I think that's the yeah. angle from which I, I came in. So I, I don't profess uh, in, in any regard to be an expert in print. Um, and I uh, feel like I'm learning every day, drinking from a fire hose. Um, but I do feel that I have a, a solid grasp of our client base. I spend a lot of time talking to our clients and their needs. Um, and I'm focused on that. And I try to keep our business focused on, on their needs um, to, to drive us to, to get better. But that, that would be kind of the, the why and, and, and the how um, I feel like I can add something um, to, to take over a company like ABG. Oh, absolutely. And again, having that perspective as a user of print in that capacity, you have a much keener understanding of how to better service that. I mean, that's I think that's brilliant from that standpoint. So we look at the timing of your purchase. Uh, from my understanding, this wasn't the ideal <laughs> timing as the country and especially New York. We're still experiencing the effects of covid. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So uh, when I buy my next business, I have promised myself that I will not do it <laughs> nine months before a complete uh, cessation of all business activity um, in New York City. That will be something I will try to avoid. <laughs> sure. Lessons to be learned. Yeah. Um, no, look, it's been it's been a wild ride. And, and from a results-oriented standpoint, certainly not... Um, how you would uh, draw it up if, if, if you were to do what I did. Um, but um, at the same time, um, you know, I, I, we don't spend a lot of time looking in the rearview mirror and it's, um, 
you know, been in a tremendous opportunity uh, in, in, in terms of learning, both for me personally, for the company. I do think as crazy as it sounds and as painful as it has been, we will be better in the long run. Um, but um, we absolutely saw tremendous um, damage to our business nine months in um, after, you know, the, the acquisition in, in June of 2019. Um, and, you know, there was, uh, unfortunately, you know, our, our business is, is both concentrated in, in serving businesses and in particular businesses in New York City um, for their in-person needs, um, which had a tremendous decline um, for an extended period of time. Um, the good news is um, people are coming back to New York City. There's more and more corporate events. There's more and more events. There's more and more meetings. People are coming back to the office. Um, and um, we see an opportunity there, and we're certainly experiencing uh, the tailwinds with that. Um, and uh, try not to think about the fact that it's, you know, taken two and a half to three years um, of uh, candidly uh, not so enjoyable moments. But, you know, I think... You know, it is it is what it is. I, we don't um, we don't spend a lot of time uh, thinking about what we could have done differently or uh, how it could have gone differently. I think um, at the, at the end of the day, you play the cards that you're dealt, right? Right, exactly. Well, kudos for you uh, for riding out that storm and now catching the wave as we all recover back from that. Oh. You mentioned yes, the the printing business appealed to you for the reasons you said. Were there any other? industries you looked at in addition to printing before you decided on the printing business? Um, I looked at um, the um, tutoring business, uh, just to give you a wide range. I um, <laughs> looked at, I, I, I'm going to be really honest with you, and, and uh, I almost purchased a company that was a blog that wrote about soap operas. Um, and both I and the owner who ended up selling had never actually seen a soap opera. Um, <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm always interested in, in businesses that have, um, uh, very loyal customers. And I will tell you, uh, I don't know if, oh. if you're a soap opera fan, but, uh, I am not, I, I'm sorry. I am not shocked to hear that, but I will tell you that, uh, <laughs> the people that do enjoy soap operas, um, enjoy so, uh, vociferously, um, and are a great customer base. Um, I looked at, and I think, I think they watch them forever too, because I think some of the storylines from what I understand go on for years and years in the soap operas. Absolutely. And, and in this case, like just to be very quick about this. So it's a business where the, it's the production studios and the major broadcasting channels that are paying all the money and all the expense to create content. And then this company was effectively creating content reacting to it um, and garnering a large base. And so they were benefiting from all the investment, but they really just had to write articles and, and garner attention and then monetized it with advertising. So it was a very capital light business. And I will say, to take this back to the world of print, in general, when as someone that was purchasing a business and as a small business owner, I was interested in a very capital light um, business. Many printers are not capital light, uh, I will tell you that for the most part, ABG um, is a fairly capital light business um, for for several reasons. Just the, the fast turnaround nature uh, of our business, the just-in-time inventory we have, and the fact that we're small format and wide format digital equipment. But quite candidly, it's um, not uh, an enormous expense relative to typical manufacturing equipment. What frightened you most about purchasing this business. Uh, and again, maybe it, it was 
came once the pandemic hit, but that was, like you said, several months later. But what, what frightened you most when you finally signed on the dotted line that, yes, this was your company? So it's a great, it's a great question. I think what frightens any, in my opinion, business owner the most when they, when they make a new acquisition, especially when, so let's be very clear, this was not a turnaround. This was a successful business that had been running along happily. It wasn't booming. It was growing steadily, but it was a happy business. And if you say, what changed? The only thing that changed was me. So therefore, if it stops doing well or declines, what's the cause, right? There's only one variable that changed, right? And so um, I think the, the biggest fear by far is that you'll come in, keep in mind, I'm, I'm an outsider, I don't know the industry, right? And I'll make a decision, or I'll cause some disruption, or I'll tick off employees, or I'll tick off clients, and I'll be the reason that it declines. And I have to wear that, um, um, responsibility on my shirt, knowing that I've impacted the lives uh, of the employees, uh, I've hurt the business, um, and, you know, hurt hurt the investment. And, you know, I think um, that's, in many ways, that's the biggest fear whenever any anyone takes over um, a, a business that, that's running along well. Um, I will say, um, in an ironic twist, um, as a result of the pandemic, that was quite candidly off the table. Um, because, and it allowed us to be mentally strong because at, the, at that point, if, you know, it's very clear that no matter what we did, um, that w I was not going to be the reason why we suffered. And so it, it did change our, our mentality. I think, um, every day I have the fear, you know, even, even in this conversation, to be quite honest with you, that, um, there's such a uh, delta in knowledge base um, between the two of us, right? Um, you know, you've, for, as I like to say, you've forgotten more about print than I know currently, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and um, you know, that's a lot of catch up to do. Um, at the same time, I have to remind myself that the goal is not for me to become a professor or world's foremost expert on print. It's to run a successful company. And um, you can run a successful company. There's many people that run successful companies where, you know, they they don't um, uh, they certainly aren't experts um, at, at the underlying activity or business um, that the company achieves. I mean, I, I wouldn't know how to turn on a single printer. Um, you know, I I did use the cutting machine last night to help out the team, um, and <laughs> occasionally I step in on on bindery and finishing. I certainly make deliveries. Um, but uh, I, d I don't get anywhere near the, um, the, the printing machines. Or they don't let you near the printing machine, is that correct? Right, I, I, so I started, I'm sure maybe, maybe you're so good that you've never experienced the look, but I definitely get the look from some no, of our team. I, I get the look. I am not by any means mechanical or hands-on on that type, so I, I understand. I, again, came in from a CPA background. Uh, I dealt more with numbers and computers than that. So, so since you've taken over and have become uh, the owner of ABG Print, what significant changes have you made to its operations? Um, well, I will say um, I certainly had uh, some plans, and they, and they were, to be fair, somewhat disrupted. So what I would say, uh, most of what we've changed has been by way of reaction rather than, than proactive driving towards change. But but um, the biggest changes that, that I have made that, that I certainly intended to do was bolster uh, marketing and sales. 
Um, and um, we've put in um, a tremendous amount of effort uh, and process around driving more leads to the company, um, leveraging what I refer to as um, a, a sort of new school uh, uh, technology with old school tactics, right? So uh, we don't uh, make cold calls, um, but we definitely launch cold email. Um, we definitely track IP addresses of people that visit our website. Um, we definitely um, use uh, AI in terms of follow-up messages after orders are completed um, to help drive messaging. Um, we certainly are uh, aggressive and active on um, typical advertising channels like, like Google, um, Bing, and other search engines. Um, we, we leverage you know, modern, modern software available to any small business um, to, to help our cause. And I do think that that's an area um, where um, we, we are able to stand out from, from some of our peers. The second major area that I would say that, that we've made some adjustments um, is certainly on the, on the software side with regard to process. So um, this may not shock you, but uh, when I took over uh, ABG Print, we in many ways were like shorter, short order cooks. We had job tickets that were placed on a table. They were printed out. It was a you know to to the uh, prior management's credit, it was a PDF that you know was certainly editable. It wasn't like on a yellow legal pad or in Excel or anything crazy like that. But there was no major print MIS uh, or management information system um, oh, wow. that we um, have now uh, installed and use. And you know we have workflow software that takes us from as I like to say quote to QuickBooks. So. Any anyone that comes in touches us. Um, we are tracking that order from the moment they talk to us all the way to the time they're billed, and then afterwards for for follow up. Now, we have plenty of room to improve on those processes and how we interact with them. But even just getting the software in and getting the team to uh, use it um, was a big push. Um, ironically, <clears throat> having our sales dramatically decline made it a little bit easier. Um, and made some of the, the conversion and, and change management go a bit more smoothly, not to say um, certainly also um, doing it with fewer employees um, simply as a result of, of the, you know, the pandemic. However, um, it was a push to, to get it in, and, and now we feel um, we're certainly better for it. We have a wealth of data in our print MIS that, that drives a lot of our decisioning. We learn where our profitability truly comes from on a, a unit economic basis. Um, we learn um, the kind of clients that do well for us. I'll be very upfront with you that um, historically, ABG Print was you know, 75% um, serving financial services and investment management companies. That number's down to 30%. And um, partially, it's as a result of um, the uh, growth we've seen um, in other business lines, but it's made us be not just a niche printer for financial services. Um, and as a result, as I like to say, we've, we've become much more like a true printer um, and less like a professional services company, um, just doing kind of, a, you know, a one trick pony for, um, or just being, excuse me, a one trick pony for, for a certain niche customer. And I will say, as you pointed out, um, the adaptation of change our industry to all the software, all these new tools that are available to us, 
uh, we have to, whether, whether you're in 60s or 70s or 20s and 30s, we all have to adapt to that. And I think those who have chosen to adapt are the ones who are not only surviving but continuing to thrive. In doing some preparation for this podcast, I was on your website and, you know, completed a couple questions and received part of your drip email campaign and was very impressed with it. I probably had two emails, but was very impressed. I really liked the aspect of the welcome email that provided links back to your most recent uh, newsletter. Mm -hmm. And so that was a unique twist I hadn't seen. So kudos to you on that. Thank you. And really, I, I must say, I, I have to also, I should give credit to my marketing team that, that that's driving that, I, you know, I certainly hired them and managing them. But, um, you know, that's, I will say, as, as you probably know, the biggest secret to um, driving change is, is hiring and staffing the right people to do it. Because um, we certainly can't do it all, and, and I have to give them the credit for that. But I, I, I do. That is, I appreciate you noticing that because that's certainly something we're very focused on. Yep. No, it was well done. So tell us a little bit about your staff. How many do you have on staff? What does your team consist of? Sure. So um, <clears throat> internal to the company, um, we uh, look very simple. We have um, about six production staff. We have uh, two customer service staff and uh, uh, two um, folks that, that work in sales and then one person that um, helps us with HR and finance. That being said, we're a much larger entity when you consider we have outsourced IT, an entire team. We have outsourced marketing, an entire team there. Um, and we have a very strong um, uh, accounting firm um, that candidly takes on, you know, some people's accounting firms simply do their taxes once a year. Um, ours take on a, a much larger role and, and help us uh, in a variety of strategic initiatives. Um, and so, you know, I always bristle a little bit when people ask us about our headcount because I fear that representing um, our true FTE size um, makes us look um, puny. In fact, in, in light of um, the, some of the companies that we support and work for, um, I'm always a little hesitant to, to share our, our FTE. Um, most of the comments that our clients make is they, they assume that we have 100 people based on the service that we're providing. Um, yeah. But so what we've really found, um, to be honest with you, is the at non-core staff, um, that is to say, folks not directly related to the print business, it's easier to um, staff them as fractional or part-time or um, as part of a third party um, rather than internal to the company. If you, you know, just to be, we talked at the beginning about how print is unsexy. Um, it's much easier for me to hire a really great marketing team um, that doesn't work for me. Uh, directly that they're a third-party company um, I you know I we have excellent IT staff I'm not gonna hire a great IT person to come work for ABG print I'm gonna work with a company that that so for a lot of those roles it's it's important that we not have them in the company um, and it allows us to you know also learn from best practices that that they learn from serving other companies um, and uh, you know on that regard so um, headcount perspective, we do, I should also mention, we do flex up um, with some part-time staff, um, both seasonally and, and, and in the week um, as needed, um, but um, the, the core is as I described it. Did you have any hesitation about outsourcing your IT, your marketing, 
your accounting. Some of us, some of us do. I think that could be a generational thing where once we have found the right partner, we think, why didn't we do this sooner? But does that come second nature to you? Did you have any qualms at all about sourcing those services? I will simply glibly answer by saying I'm glad I didn't have any qualms because trying to do that in New York City and paying the salaries that those individuals would command um, would simply put us out of business very quickly. Um, and so if you'd like to hire um, excellent IT staff in New York City, um, the rates that you would pay, let alone um, the premium that you would have to pay to get someone to work for a small printing business when they can go work for Google or they could go work for a litany of other excellent corporations and businesses around, um, you know, simply it, it, it's, it's an untenable situation. Um, and so um, it, um, it almost isn't, isn't a choice. Um, I'm fortunate in that when I uh, took over the business, IT was, was already outsourced. We have an excellent relationship with the, the firm, um, at, which is also a small business, and I, I know the owner, and um, we're you know, uh, great partners. Um, but no, I'm, I'm very partial to that. Um, we first look to hire um, experts uh, as, as call it um, vendors or outside partners before we would bring anything in house. I mean, the simplest way I would say it is, you know, unless I feel like we can be experts at it, it probably shouldn't be in house. Very well put. Very good. So you're open 24 hours a day. How does that work? That's kind of foreign to me. Is it three shifts or is it as needed? Tell us a little bit about that process. Sure. So um, I do, I, I should state this accurately. So we are open 24 hours during the week. That's not 24 seven. So we're not open Saturdays, um, but um, we do staff three shifts. Um, and um, we, the, the way that works is there's functionally speaking, there's a, you know, shift from, call it eight, eight to five, if you will. And there's a little bit of overlap, but then effectively, um, you know, 4.30 to, to 12.30 midnight. And then there's someone that comes in um, after, to, you know, after midnight and, and works through, through the morning. Um, what we see, um, it, it is difficult to do. Um, it's difficult to staff. Um, I won't lie to you, and I said to you before this recording began, I pulled an all-nighter last night because I was helping the team overnight, and it's, you know, both interviewing, uh, I have interviews today with, with folks for that, that um, third shift role. Um, and, um, you know, uh, that being said, um, it's a huge benefit um, the, in, in that um, the ball's always moving forward. Right. And so if you think about um, the idea of, a, um, you know, we we can accomplish in a second shift or a third shift um, a, a tremendous amount of work, especially when either the phone's not ringing or orders aren't necessarily coming in so that we're ready and prepared by the time first shift rolls around. That being said, I'll be very upfront with you that the cadence of our day, we see way more orders come in between 5 and 7 p.m. Um, or uh, um, candidly um, early in the morning um, than we do, you know, during typical business hours. If you think about the cadence of um, young professionals um, working at their job, 
they spend most of their day figuring out what they're doing, developing their strategy, building their pitch deck, working on their project, having the meeting that they're having. It's not until five o'clock that they say, oh, now we need to get this to the printer for tomorrow, right? And so a lot of times the order won't even come to us um, till later in the day. So you might think, oh, we're busy um, during during the first shift in terms of client interaction, but we have a tremendous, our, our busiest time, quite candidly, is right before people go home because that's when they call the printer. They get it off their to-do list and get it on yours. Now, I, I haven't fully dived into this. And, you know, it could also be a function of, you know, uh, someone once said to me, uh, you know, at, at three o'clock in the afternoon, we're a commodity. Um, and at three o'clock in the morning, we're a monopoly. Right. And I, I would say neither, both of both of those are certainly overstated, um, but the directionally accurate. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I think that could also be a driver. Of, we're, we're getting more phone calls as others close. Um, and, and, you know, um, given given that we're, we're available. But it is a, I won't lie to you. It's a, a trick to run and, and certainly not for everybody. And and certainly keeps you keeps you running around. Um, plenty of phone calls in the middle of the night. I will say one one aspect you you may not be thinking about necessarily, but is interesting to me is the types of individuals that you employ um, really have to have an owner mentality and be excellent decision makers. Yeah. Because oh, absolutely. there's not an enormous chain of command right at two o'clock in the morning. And as you well know, having run a, a successful print company, there are many decisions you simply just have to make. And um, you have to employ people that are capable of making decisions and most often being right um, without you know, needing a lot of sign off and also have a, the confidence to make those decisions um, because the, client, uh, the clients rely on it, uh, the reputation of your business relies on it. Um, and if they weren't able to do that, um, then they would all break down. So the type of individual that you staff and hire for um, is is critical for for um, those periods. I think you mentioned this, and again, I did see this on your website that one of your most popular products is the pitch deck. Can you briefly explain what that is and how that process, or what is the final product? Sure. Um, so in print speak, if you will, uh, it's a YRO bound. Uh, uh, on the um, uh, you know bound presentation, um, typically you know double sided, single sided, clear acetate cover, vinyl back, um, okay. four over four on uh, twenty eight pound. Um, we uh, are able to print and punch in line. We bind uh, offline um, because, quite honestly, given the the volumes that we do, we're faster than. Uh, uh, machines that that wire bind just given you know if we have five jobs that are 10 uh, uh, binds each um, we're much faster than recalibrating the machine each time so we do it by hand um, but um, some people call it a pitch deck some people call it a presentation interestingly depending on the industry that you're in you use a different word and so we really try to adopt the language of our clients um, rather than our own so some people call it a pitch deck. Some people, if, if you're in fashion, you call it a lookbook. Um, okay. You know, in um, in consulting, uh, it can it can be a um, client. Um, it can either be a client presentation. It can also be um, a um, workshop training manual. Right. So 
Um, it's all the same thing. Okay. Right. It's all the same thing. Um, but well, you see, that's one. That's one way you're making print sexy. <laughs> a pitch deck sounds much better than just a presentation or proposal. So there you go. I, you know, I'll say this. It, I, I love. Um, so, I'll, I'll, of course, we sign NDAs and we don't share anything and we shred them afterwards and we delete all the files. But you know, as the owner of the company, I'll of course look through and, as we quality check, we're we're seeing information and. It really does give me joy that, you know, you think about a company and all the effort they've put into some, if they're putting it on paper and they're pitching it in front of someone, it matters to them and it's critical to them. And they've spent a lot of time formulating these ideas and, you know, seeing what people's ideas and what they're uh, striving to achieve, um, it does keep you motivated. Um, and it, it um, is, is exciting to see um, what, what, what everyone's, was, every, everyone's trying to get done. So you're located on the 37th floor of a high-rise in New York City, correct? Yes, sir. That, I would imagine, poses some logistical challenges. You said you're not capital-intensive or terribly equipment-heavy, but you still have to have some equipment. Tell us about the challenges of being on the 37th floor presents itself to you. Right. So uh, early on, uh, when I took over the company, I said, you know, I'd really love, we'd love to have a flatbed UV um, printer. And, <laughs> and we'd also love to have, you know, an XY plotter flatbed. I looked into it and the cost to get the crane, uh, open the windows to stop traffic on the street um, and put it onto our floor is more than the expense of the equipment. Um, the equipment itself. The equipment oh itself. So, you know, the, the answer to your question is so, so we have small format digital equipment. Um, we can go up to 60 inches wide on, on roll to roll. Um, but we have to um, certainly um, make excellent and efficient use of our 5,000 square feet. I'll give you just by way of one quick example. You know, we want to we want to um, store uh, four by eight half inch foam. Um, so I had to have a meeting with our building management because to get four foot by eight foot half inch foam onto our floor, um, we have to make sure it fits through the freight elevator. We have freight elevator coming up to our offices and um, as, as well as standard elevators. But they, that, of course, only runs nine to five. Right. Um, and is union operated freight elevator in a New York City building. Mm. So it's not just as easy as calling a supplier and getting that delivered. Um, we have to really make sure that it's going to fit uh, where we're going to store it and um, how, how it's going to work. It's not, you know, I love when people try to deliver stuff and they say, oh, just we'll take it to your loading dock. Say, okay, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, till you, wait till you meet the guys that work at our loading dock and let's see how yeah. that works for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. What was your biggest surprise or learning moment after purchasing the business? Gosh, you know, I think the the biggest surprise um, was, um, I think, you know, I'll be honest, I I was very confident coming in that I was going to be, be able to have a tremendous impact on sales. And I was very confident that I was going to um, immediately see um, success um, running the business. And I know that sounds ridiculous given that I had no experience in print, but I really felt like I understood the customer and I understood marketing and sales and, um, without in any way denigrating the, the prior work of, of prior management, there just hadn't been as much focus on, on those areas. Um, they were sort of, you know, relying on, on recurring work and recurring clients. And I just sort of felt, Hey gosh, there's this great platform. And if I can just turn, it's a 
time and attention um, into new customers, uh, it's going to be a huge boon. And the reality um, is that growth and sales are always harder than it seems. Um, and it's it takes a lot of time um, and um, it's uh, difficult to execute. Um, and that um, what seems maybe obvious from the outside or seems easy to do, um, you know, is, isn't. Um, and so the, the biggest surprise and the biggest challenge for me, quite honestly, is, um, you know, growing, growing the company and growing sales. Um, and we, we work at it every day. Um, and I'm very blessed that we have a lot of new leads coming in every day. But, you know, I'll be very upfront with you. It's, it's that, that right now and, and uh, you know, just growing, growing sales and, and how to grow sales. Um, you know, it's, it's not simple. Um, and nope. um, it is a, a constant, constant effort every day. Well, I think you're well on the on the right track. Just perusing through your website, seeing what you've done and the direction you're going. Uh, again, kudos to you for all that you have done. Congratulations on on a job well done, and looking forward to seeing your continued success. Thank you. Okay, so now we come to the point where I ask you some questions that I don't think you have been prepared for. We call this our rapid fire test. I'm going to give you two choices, and you quickly, without thinking, tell me what your choice is. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. Outlook or Gmail? Outlook. Quote or estimate? Quote. Capital markets or asset management? Capital markets. Pikas or inches? Inches. The Big Apple or the city that never sleeps? City that never sleeps. Harvard or Yale? Oof, I graduated Princeton, so you must know, <laughs> I know that. I know, I oh, know. Oh, oh. I would say, I guess, Yale because I'm in, I live in Connecticut. <laughs> Giants or Jets? Giants. Knicks or Nets? Knicks. Yankees or Mets? Mets. All right. Coming up on the holiday season, gift card or cash? Cash. Cash. All right. Good answer. Well, Jesse, thank you so much. This has been fun. Again, I love your story. I love seeing what you've done. Oh, by the way, what does ABG stand for? I failed to ask that. Totally reasonable. It currently stands for Advanced Business Group. It was changed. It okay. originally was stood for Advanced Business Graphics. Uh, the prior okay. uh, owner started it that way and then changed it at some point to Advanced Business Group, which is talk about the most. Uh, it's like the Acme Corporation, um, but yeah. so we are, are are we are Advanced Business Group Incorporated with a DBA ABG print. Okay. All right. Very good. Again, thank you for your time. We appreciate that. We appreciate your contributions to our industry. And I'm here to tell you that me and you and all of our listeners, we are going to go out and make it a point to make print sexy again. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you leading the way on this. And, and I would be remiss not to say thank you very much for both uh, to talking with me and hosting me on your podcast and as well as all the work you've done um, and what you represent for the print industry. It's I, I have to say I am grateful and filled with gratitude about, you know, for someone like me to come in. Um, it's really impactful to have people like yourself who are out here and sharing knowledge and networking and being helpful. The only way I learn and get better is, you know, honestly, through your generosity and the generosity of others like yourself. And I have to say um, that there's just a tremendous amount of folks and including yourself that have been just so helpful to me and helpful to us. So I really do appreciate it. Oh, well, you're welcome. And again, it's Likewise, too. I think this works both ways. And 
just part of the exciting world of print that we all are enjoying and learning from. And, and that wraps up another episode of 40 Under 40. Thank you again to our listeners. And as we always say, get out there and make a good impression. Thank you. Thank you again to our sponsor, Konica Minolta, for their support of our 40 Under 40 podcast. With their cutting-edge printing technologies and commitment to excellence, Konica Minolta continues to empower the next generation of industry leaders. Stay tuned for more inspiring episodes, and remember to visit konicaminolta.us for the latest advancements in print technology. Thank you for listening.